Nice to see you. Thank you. It's nice to see you, of course. So I wanted to dive into, you know, Tanya the Herbalist and what she's all about. Starting with what is a herbalist? <laughs> um, a herbalist is someone who I guess is an expert in plant medicine, all the different plants and herbs that there are and, and all the different uh, healing components that they can actually bring versus, you know, plants over pills type of thing. And that's how things used to be. That is the original form of medicine. Exactly. Is, is that part of your awakening? I mean, for me, discovering how the system that you, you know, was hijacked at a certain point and everything became pharmaceutical. I'm curious if that was right. So I guess it kind of ties in how I got into herbalism in the first place, because it really started off with recognizing the corruption behind the pharma industry. And it initially started with my mom, who um, has a rare condition called like neurofibromatosis. She's got like painful tumors throughout her nerves and her entire body. And I get my strength, my determination, my mind from her. So you could just envision her, you know, 22 years older. They threw her on oxys, narcotics, everything you could think of. They were just anything to deal with the pain they were throwing at her. And she was on it for 10 plus years. And we saw her start to deteriorate. And at first I was just thinking it's common. It's her disease. Her 25 year old sister died from it. Her dad died from it. So I just assumed it was her sickness. But then it got to a point 10 years in where she was just no longer coherent. She couldn't have a conversation. She couldn't talk anymore. The doctors were treating her like she's a total junkie when she wasn't. They were just throwing her on meds. And you can imagine the side effects after so long that they were just throwing her more and more. And I couldn't even tell you the amount of medication she was on. It was ridiculous. And so I hit a breaking point because I was grieving my mom while she was physically still alive. I literally felt like my mom had died, but her body was physically here because I couldn't even have a conversation with her anymore. And like I said, my strength and everything, I get it from her. So you can imagine what that did to me. I started to resent the pharma industry. I said, how are you guys treating someone like that, leaving them to pretty much die? And I took time off work and like I was in my peak in my career in a corporate job, you know, making well over six figures, traveling the world for free, my, my husband and I, and everything was what you thought was great, but I was in a dark place. Like I totally hit rock bottom. I took time off work and I needed to gather myself all over again. And I just went and sat, thank God it was the summertime and I sat by nature and I just tried to like, pray and surrender to be like, show me what I need to do. What can I do for her? Because I refuse to accept that there's nothing that can be done. And maybe it was after about a week, every single day being by nature, that nature spoke to me. But it was then that I had an aha moment that there must be something natural that I can do for her. And I went and I picked up my very first book um, on medicinal herbs. And I remember sitting down with a pen and paper and notepad and just started writing as much as I can to try to learn about anything that I could do to support her nervous system to try to help alleviate the pain. And I was blown away with the amount of information in there. And I just couldn't stop. And I didn't even know herbalism was a thing, to be honest with you. I eventually found out that it actually was a thing. And then I, I ran with it. So I realized the corruption with the pharma. What's even crazier is when someone's on that much narcotics for that long, they don't typically get off of it. She got off of everything, everything. And the doctors are like, that's impossible. We need to test your blood. We need to test your urine. We need to test this and that. They were blown away, but she did it. And plant medicine gave her that awakening to recognize there must be something else that can actually help her. It has, it helped her pain and everything. She's still sick, obviously, but she talks again. She laughs, she goes out. She's, she's the person all over again. They wow. literally left her to die. Wow. So my awakening happened then, this was in 2015, 16, where it first started. And that's when I started my, my herbalism journey and then registered into school and then everything like that. Wow. So you like totally switched up your career path. Completely. Like total wow. opposite. Yeah. Can I, I'm curious to know what kind of industry you were in before. 
I was in uh, the insurance industry, property and casualty. Yeah, yeah. what is that is the total opposite. Completely. So what was the most amazing thing that uh, you learned through the plant medicine when you were first flipping through that book? Like what jumped out at you and you went, oh my God. Well, for example, um, I was really trying to find something to support the nervous system to help the pain. And so the first herb that stuck out to me, the first plant was one called valerian. And it really does hit the nervous system. And it's actually so strong that you could use it when you're having a panic attack. It's almost that instant. Typically, plant medicine is not so instant, right? It takes time. But this one is something that's, it's almost like a mild sedative. So it really does help. Um, but what's crazy is, one of the aha moments where I started to recognize what's going on is that's the active ingredient in Valium. Hence oh. the name Valium. It's from the Valerian plant, which is the active ingredient. Wow. So why not just give the plant with all the side effects? Because Valium is probably one of the, one of the most prescribed drugs in the world right now, or at least in the Western world. But of course they can't it's not patentable. They can't make money off of it. So why sell it? They'll recreate it in a lab and sell it with a patent and make trillions off of it. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. I know crazy, a lot right? of people get blown away, but this, this is exactly where I was at. The more I was learning, the more I was like, how corrupted is the system? And then you start finding out that, you know, they make it harder to teach herbalism and to learn about it. And, and, you know, ties into how I found out how the Rockefeller completely took over the industry altogether. And then almost patented and took over and monopolized the, the, the healing world and their definition of a healing world. I'd love to dive into that for people who don't know about how Big Pharma originated. Was it the 20s or the early 1900s when that it, kind of all it was the early 1900s, exactly. So um, most people probably know that John Rockefeller, who was like the wealthiest man at the time and pretty much is still now the richest person in the modern history, he ran the petroleum industry. He monopolized the petroleum industry, right? And so what happened was in the early 1900s, and I love talking about this, is it was during this time that they actually started to recognize the importance of vitamins, B1, B12, biotin, vitamin C, AD, et cetera. And in 1935, vitamin C was the first vitamin that was artificially synthesized in Switzerland. And Rockefeller was smart enough to use this opportunity to actually monopolize the industry using the petroleum as a way of taking over that medical industry. And so what he did is he teamed up with um, a guy named Andrew Carnegie, and they call that the Flexner Report. So you might have heard about that. And what they did from there, so this is the early 1900s, is they gave huge grants to um, schools, took over the education system, only taught allopathic medicine, completely dismantled the previous curriculum in the medical schools, removing any mention of the healing power of plants, natural treatments, anything like that. And then after removing traditional medicine from the schools, they even made sure to like take it one step further by completely launching smear campaigns, everything yeah. like that. Um, homeopathy and natural medicine was like completely demonized and discredited, like up to the point that doctors were actually um, charged criminally and put in jail if they were practicing anything outside of allopathic medicine. All students are only taught allopathic medicine. And if you try to steer away from that, you will lose your license. And it all ties into each other because it, you know, hence the pharma industry started and then they started this entire industry. And they took it so much further as they monopolized every treatment. So chemotherapy included. He's the one that founded the American Cancer Society in 1913. So it's all tied into each other of how he's taken over chemotherapy, radiation, the whole nine yards. You're talking about a trillion dollar industry that's all controlled by the same people that completely wiped out original medicine. 
It's crazy to think that the way things were done for thousands and thousands of years until, yeah, the smear campaigns. I remember reading about that. I, I didn't realize people were thrown in jail if you were caught. Oh, yeah, doctors were, yeah, completely. Because even if you think about it now, they're, the doctors have to open up their pharmacopoeia book and they got to tell you what's in there. They'll never be allowed to go and tell you, hey, why don't you try, you know, taking Valerian instead of Valium? There's no way. They'll lose their license. Hence, they also created the system of having a regulatory body to be able to make sure that they're monitoring them and require a license to be able to operate. Wow, it's so corrupt. You can imagine me when I was finding out this and I was like, oh my goodness, like how does nobody recognize what's going on? So I was already the black sheep. And then hence, I started to already learn about, okay, well, if this is that corrupted with plant medicine, then what about the treatments? Because if you took over the cancer treatments, what about vaccines? And then I really went down the rabbit hole of recognizing it's all run by the same people. I think that was the big one for our family. My wife, especially, is, you know, the, the women tend to be the uh, caretakers of health in the family, stereotypically. It was, it was the vaccine thing and realizing the, the corruption. Once you go down that rabbit hole, the gloves are off. And because you, you just can't believe that this kind of corruption could be. Especially like, when you're seeing the children and vulnerable people, it's heartbreaking. Like I was. I, I can't tell you when I really went down the vaccine rabbit hole, I can't tell you how many times I bawled. And I was like, almost wish I didn't know this knowledge. And people are like, they're quick to label. But I was like, do you think I want to know this stuff? You know, I just, it fell under my lap and I can't ignore it now. And it's devastating when you see, because people are like, oh, but look at people live longer lives. No, they don't. You're comparing it to a time where people had poor hygiene, poor sanitation, dirty sewage and water that they were dying because of that. And when you actually follow the timeline, when that was all fixed and they introduced proper sanitation and fixed the sewage system and everything, even somewhere like New York, they eradicated the diseases that they were dying of. Longevity of life came right after that, far before the vaccines even came out. But people just think it was actually correlated because they don't understand it because it's never taught. So they thank the vaccines for that eradication, but we have the sickest generation of people ever known now. The trillions of dollars are made off of off of making sure that people stay sick. Right. Yeah, because you can't make money off of healthy people. And what better way to start it than when babies are two months old, one day yeah. old. Oh, that's crazy. I can really imagine the motivation you had with, with your mom being sick and, oh my God. So you start giving your mom these these herbs. Right, so um, I started making her elixirs and, and concoctions and just started giving her whatever I can. She's like, use me as your guinea pig. And that really gave her... Um, that first boost of knowing that, you know, maybe I don't have to actually die from this. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe there's a way for me to overcome it. And that was the first step. So obviously healing is not just a one modality thing. It's, it's a whole, you know, um, there's multiple layers, but that was her first step. From there, she went to a detox center and that detox center helped her wean off of her medication. So the first step was taking the plant medicine to help her recognize that there's something that I could use for my pain instead of these narcotics. The second step was how am I gonna get off these narcotics? Because most people die trying to get off of it because they go into cardiac arrest from stopping something so heavy on the body. And so she went through a blood detox um, outside of Canada and within a few weeks, they had literally cleansed her blood out to the point that it minimized drastically her withdrawal. She obviously still had withdrawals for a while, but not the same. And it was like within a month, I was having conversations with my mom again. She wasn't falling asleep in the middle of conversations and it was it was crazy. And wow. so that's really where it started all within a month of, of doing that blood detox and taking those steps towards it. 
And you said outside of Canada, mm -hmm. you had to leave somewhere? They would never do that type of, like here she can go to a rehab center, but they don't detox the same way. So she literally went uh, to the Middle East and they were wow. able to put her into a, a system where, because like here they were treating her like a junkie and she didn't want to go to a place where they were going to make her feel like a druggie and, and mistreat her where she was like, listen, I'm not a druggie. You put me on these medications and now you're treating me like one. I'll show you that I can get off of it. Right. Cause she's not dependent on it. She doesn't want to be dependent on it, but it's an opiate at the end of the day is it is addictive. You can't mm -hmm. help it. Right. Yeah. My, I have a friend of mine who, um, I said, uh, stomach cancer, they said, okay, we'll put you on chemo and all these different things. And then he went to Mexico. He's like, they kind of laughed and said, of course they told you to put you on chemo here. Come, come down here for 12 days. We'll hook you up to a powerful IV that had, I don't know, vitamin C and vitamin D C, and, exactly. yeah. and, and they just flushed his body for 12 days straight and the cancer was gone. That's, that's... Now I even told this story on my radio show because I thought this is fascinating. And of course the Karens get on their keyboards. And <laughs> right into the... It's impossible. There's no way this, that, like maybe he didn't actually have cancer. He was misdiagnosed or he is yeah. lying about his treatment. It's crazy. And uh, it really opened my eyes to pink ribbon day and all these runs that people are doing because you're raising millions of dollars for for what when other countries you nailed it you're right it is it is because when people ask me do you want to donate to the cancer fund no we already have the cure you guys just don't want it and they don't want to give it our lifestyle is the cause of cancer there's nothing else and the amount of money made off treating cancer is, I don't know what the number it's, is, but billions and billions of dollars. It's a trillion dollar industry, more than billions. It's a trillion dollar industry. On average, it costs about $150,000 per treatment. Wow, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, see, that's so, that is one of those things that if you had a family member who you lost because of cancer, this information would just, it's almost like you would go into cognitive dissonance, like you block it up because to acknowledge the fact that there was something that could have been done and you didn't know it could be done would be so it's hard reality yeah. shattering. It's, I've spoken to a lot of people who all say the same thing. I wish I've never put my parents or this person on chemotherapy. I wish they never took it. It not only killed them faster, it made it a very painful death, very painful oh experience. Unless you're really, and even then I don't believe in chemotherapy at all, but unless you're really, really old and you have no means of fighting it, I have heard of success stories in those instances. But if you're a younger person that have your full immune system in place, but happen to get cancer, chemotherapy will destroy all parts of your immune system to make you susceptible that maybe you overcome it for a short period of time. But when it comes back, it's going to be much more aggressive and destroy your system that they destroyed during chemotherapy and radiation. You're talking about radiation. We know the exposures of radiation and you're putting that throughout your entire body, which is the cause of cancer. Big pharma, man. They're the biggest gangsters out there, aren't they? Right. It's, 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 I think it's the most demonic organization in human history. Absolutely. I mean, there's obviously there are drugs that save lives and there's a, an element of, of good and everything. And there's some things mm -hmm. that are, that are awesome. And, you know, thank God for, you know, science is, is incredible. Think like, about antibiotics and stuff like that. We've come an incredible way, but they also prescribe now antibiotics, like it's candy, which is actually horrible for the body. Right. So now it's gone to the point that anything wrong with the body, let's just mask it with pills and symptoms. And by the way, if you get a side effect from this pill, I'll give you another one. That's, Crazy. that's the difference is it's, it's, that's not, I'm sure many have heard it's, it's sick care. That's not healthcare. That's not getting to the root cause of it. Mm. That's suppressing it. And your body speaks to you through these symptoms. These symptoms are trying to tell you something to pay attention to it, not to just ignore it.
And our conventional system tells you to ignore it by just masking the symptoms. Because if you don't feel it, you think it's not there, but it's still there. What are some of the biggest mistakes that we're making now to a mom who's listening? Uh, what are the mistakes you're making when your kid gets sick or someone's unhealthy or just as part of your don't ever The biggest thing, don't ever suppress their fever. That is the biggest thing. And I cannot believe people don't know this because a fever is the best thing to the body. And I'm not talking about a sudden really serious fever, which is very rare. And typically only happens if you have like something like meningitis where it skyrockets, you need antibiotics or something to suppress it. A regular fever that comes from the cold or your child's fighting something off. A fever is the body's optimal fighting point. That is, that is history. It's its optimal fighting point. And there's certain antibodies and antigens in the body that actually don't even get activated until they're under heat. Under a certain temperature do those antibodies get activated, which means 100 to 104 degrees fever is optimal fighting point. Let it run its course. You are doing your child such a service by letting it run its course and building those antibodies and you will see your child get sick less and less. But the biggest mistake that most parents do is they get scared when they see a fever. They think it's a bad thing versus the body doing what it needs to do. They automatically give Advil a Tylenol. They suppress it having never actually built the antibodies. And that child is more susceptible to sickness, constantly trying to build those antibodies. Everyone everybody, does that. Everybody. Oh my God. What else? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say vaccines, but I would just research into it before giving something that's, you know, a three in one shot to your child when they would never catch those three diseases on their own. I think it's important to um, a lot of people just need to learn the basics of anatomy and understand what parts of your body, um, how your natural immune system responds. So I did a post about the tonsils, for example, mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't recognize that the tonsils are actually essentially like your first step to natural, uh, to building antibodies, because it, I consider it kind of like the vaccine of the body. Because what it does is anytime you get sick, it's typically through your mouth or your nose, right? And it reaches your tonsils. Your tonsils communicate, digest this infection or bacteria or germ or whatever it is, and communicates with your body on what it needs to create to be able to fight it. Wow. And we're in a system where people from very young ages are like, I have inflamed tonsils, I need to remove them. So they're removing their very first line of defense. And that's a big thing. And I mean, if you have, it's whatever, but I've actually heard stories of people rebuilding their tonsils. The body's incredible. If you give it what it needs in seven days, every part of the body rebuilds itself. It's incredible. Wow. And you need all your body parts. You shouldn't be removing them. You can cleanse them. And flame tonsils just means that there's an overload of toxins and you got to do something about it. You got to detox. You got to cleanse out the tonsils. That's another big thing. So people don't recognize that there's different steps to actually building immunity. When you take something like a vaccine, like I said, that typically has three in one. So let's just say, for example, I start with the ones that they get at two months, four months, and six months old here in Canada. In the States, they start hepatitis B at a day old. But let's just say that the generic system is two months. Well, they're giving them diphtheria, diphtheria tetanus, and pertussis. And your child would never catch those three at the same time, let alone give them to your child, all three of them at the same time. Skip all eight of your natural Def immune defenses and go right into the bloodstream, but it would never actually have entered your bloodstream that way. And so that's so important because what you're doing is you're literally depleting anywhere from 60 to 70% of the antigens in one shot because it's shocking the body trying to fight off those sicknesses versus letting your child deal with it naturally if it were to happen. The only thing that could be potentially dangerous of any of the vaccines that anybody gets is meningitis ironically, is a side effect listed right on the vaccine itself. 
What? Everything else is is mild is considered a mild sickness. Everything else is considered a mild sickness. What's this listed as a side effect? Meningitis so shot has a side effect of meningitis. <laughs> I know. And people people think I'm crazy. And I'm like, just go and ask for the insert. They have to give it to you. It's listed right there. I'm not making this up. I've seen it myself. Wow. A side so effect of the meningitis vaccine is meningitis. Right. I know. Or Kawasaki disease, which is even worse. Unreal. I, okay. I have been studying and people don't know that. Oh, trust the doctor. That's fine. You can trust the doctor. The doctor learns maybe eight hours in eight years on vaccines. I have literally been studying vaccines for over five years. Every book you could think of dating back from the forties up until now. To get a little woo woo. Like what's the goal there with the vaccines? Why the vaccine push? If we already know the pharmaceutical I, industry is not about keeping you healthy. I personally think that that's why they started so young. Any sickness that someone typically has, when you're overcoming it, you use anywhere from, they say, I think maybe six to 8% of antigens in one shot trying to fight something off. When you get the injection or the vaccines at such a young age, like I said, you're using anywhere from 60 to 70% in one shot. Hence, never actually having your immune system to its full potential at such a young age. Now, no one's saying that kids shouldn't get sick. Kids need to get sick. They need to, right? You used to have chicken pox parties and be like, go get it, build immunity. But I think a big reason for that is because that is exactly how, from such a young age, they make them dependent on the pharma industry. Every child, I don't personally know any child who within their first two years of life has not had to go see a doctor. I don't mm -hmm. know anyone except for unvaccinated children, wow. ear infections, stomach ulcers, insomnia, colicky, everything you could think of like that. And you can't help but sit back and start to see a trend when you, you're aware of the information, you start to notice a trend. So they make, them, they make them sick from such a young age. If there's that much money on the line, I mean, trillions, of course, if you're, if you're evil and you don't care about people, these are people and, not, they're not human. They're, they're demonic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you inject them with ticking time bombs that are set to go off in a decade or, or, you know, like you just like, would. People don't even know that, for example, people are afraid of measles. People are afraid of measles is pretty much in the same family as chickenpox. There's nothing to be afraid of with measles. It's not deadly. And the odd person that did die from it is because unfortunately they had a bad immune system similar to COVID, right? Like if your immune system is suppressed or something's wrong, then it could kill you. But measles is actually, um, it's in one of the books that I had read, I think it was written in 1957. And it specifically talked how it prevents future cancers and sicknesses by having that uh, antibody built at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Say that again, catching measles at a young age. Catching measles can actually build immunity for many sicknesses in the future. Yeah. Wow. Because I remember a few years ago. The outbreak? My, yeah. And remember yeah. it was, it was a, that's one of the things that, um, my wife and I were like really starting to open up our eyes about the vaccines. They, they were going to try to make the, that, that particular vaccine, um, you know, mandate it in mm -hmm. BC anyways. Cause yeah, I remember it was like Disney world. You couldn't go to Disney world. You couldn't go anywhere. All these announcements. I think it was a like, year prior to COVID. It kind of almost primed everyone for it Yeah, because it right. never did get mandated, but that's what kind of opened our eyes up and started to freak us out a little bit that like, are they going to make our kid get this particular vaccine to go to school? And, and then same judged thing, if we don't get side it? effect is measles on yeah. the vaccine, right? And I know multiple yeah. people who have gotten the vaccine and they got measles right afterwards. And then they talk about like measles is a live virus. It's actually the main one that sheds. So they tried to blame it on unvaccinated child, but 
if someone who's vaccinated gets the live virus, they actually shed it out of their pores, hence they're spreading it. How can an unvaccinated child that doesn't even have the virus within them spread it? Explain shedding. Some people don't get what that is. Shedding is when there's a live virus. So the MMR one, which is the one with the, the, the measles vaccine, it has a live virus. And when your body's trying to create the antibodies, it creates shedding, which essentially means it's literally releasing part of the virus out of your pores as it builds that antibody. So when you're shedding it out of your pores, like an animal would shed, like it's releasing out of your pores, it's contagious and therefore you're spreading it. So it's not the unvaccinated kids that are spreading it because they don't even have the virus. It's the vaccinated who are shedding the live virus who are spreading it. That's like for so many people. But like, it's not so mind boggling when you recognize that there's a book here. Let me see if I have it here. If there's one book you can read, it's called Dissolving Illusions. Okay. And this is a specific book that talks about disease vaccines and their forgotten history. But what's amazing about this, and this is where it mind boggles a lot of people, it's the charts that are in here, charts that you can't ignore. So let me see one of the measles. We're talking about measles, right? So this is a chart talking about the measles. So this here, they had stopped the measles. There was no measles. They introduced measles vaccines in, uh, vaccines in 1963. After it's it already, already almost died out. completely dropped. Exactly. It was completely dropped. There's one with polio because the best argument that people always use is like, how do you explain the polio vaccine? You know, this is measles and it's the first one. I think your books, there we go. And there's more. It shows you the polio. It explains everything. So for for people who are listening to it um, and not watching the video on Spotify, so you're saying they've introduced these vaccines after these, you know, diseases have almost run their course. Yeah, exactly. From wow. polio to the measles, diphtheria, all of it, all of it. So, so and it's, it's not the vaccines to be thankful for in that case. It's the the fact that we learned how to live cleaner. We had we had cleaner water. We had cleaner cleaner living habits. People were going what months, weeks, and months without showering. You know, living with with feces all over them. Like they didn't have proper sewage, no proper water. Um, there was child labor. There was all of that stuff. All of that. What stuff a time to be alive. That's exactly it. So that's why they had shorter lifespans. It has nothing to do with the vaccine. Okay, so you start going down the rabbit hole. And this is like, this is everything Tanya knew the herbalist knew prior to COVID. So when COVID came out, it was like, you guys aren't serious, right? Yeah. I mean, the average person is just, you know, gobbling it up. So you were one of the first people to probably just feel outraged and in April 2020 was my first video speaking. I was saying, you guys, this is not about your health. If this was about health, they would be removing a lot of things that are legal in the system right now that actually make you sick and kill you. How far in the rabbit hole have you gone with this? With COVID? Just with, with everything. I mean, once you realize that there's evil Well, you start to like really go down the rabbit hole of, for example, the whole JFK and 9-11, and there's like... They're all intercorrelated. You've got five main families that essentially run all of it. And it's funny because my husband is fairly down the rabbit hole, but he's more in the rabbit hole with everything from like Operation Mockingbird and and mm. all of these different things that I don't have never typically gone down that rabbit hole because I'm very interested in the health portion of it. Hence why I'm the one that dove, dove down for vaccines, pharmacopoeia, everything like that and what that looks like and what the deaths around pharma looks like and how many people die in the last 20 years with, with chemotherapy, by the way, is over 22 million, right? So there's just so much on that um, 
that's mainly the rabbit hole that I went down. So when COVID mm-hmm. came out, first thing I said is you guys are going to try and bring out a vaccine for this. Yeah, no kidding. Very first thing people are like, you're a conspiracy theory. And I'm like, no, no, they're going to bring out a vaccine for this. I, I haven't read um, that book by um, Robert F. Kennedy yet, but I want to read it. I have it. I've yeah. wanted to read it. Have the you real read it Anthony yet? Fauci. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a few books that have come out that, that pretty much connect the dots and say, listen, they were working on the vaccine or they had the vaccine before the virus. It was patented in 2009, I want to say. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, it makes you think, like, what do they know, right? Why would, why would they have to talk about that if they didn't know? And then why would they have to patent something if they knew they didn't think they were going to make money off of it? So it's just, it's, it's very twisted. And it, I know it's a lot for people to digest sometimes because it's hard to believe or want to believe that people are that evil. They wouldn't want to hurt us. Why would the government want to hurt us? Why would this person want to hurt us? Um, and I'll say it again, because they're not human. They're, they're maybe possessed or demons, or I don't even know what they are. But when I think about the government, for example, I don't, that's when people are like, I want to vote out and get another government. It's not your government. This is, this is much bigger than them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, mm-hmm. you could sit here and change your leader, but the leader is not going to change who they report to. So um, the best way to describe it is, for example, when that whole Trump and Biden thing was going on. And I was like, you guys, you realize that it's just left or right wing is part of the same plane. And then um, I had posted a meme where it had uh, Rothschild holding both of them and saying, I'm the real president. Right. Right. So when you recognize that, it doesn't matter who the leader is. You know, it doesn't like I could sit here and hate Trudeau, but Trudeau is just a pawn in the game. You think he can actually call the shots? It's not right. up to him. Yeah. It's like you, you go back to who set up the medical industry. And well, there's you know who... Rothschild and Rockefellers are the two main people right. that are yeah. essentially running everything. They're the, they're the globalists and, that are in charge of it. And it's and when you actually just even look at their picture, you can't tell me they look human. They look like evil. <laughs> they do. They really do look evil. It's awful. Yeah, you really almost have to become like a history buff to go back to like, you know, go back a couple hundred years and figure right. out who the big players were. Once you learn all this stuff, you do you do look at doctors like uh, like drug dealers. But really. that's all they're allowed to do. And I, I don't I don't dislike anybody in any of the industries, whether it's government or you know, doctors or anything. It's just, it's sad that they've been indoctrinated, right? So when you think a doctor that goes to school for eight years, like they have, since Rockefeller took over the education system, they have done it in such a way where they are so convinced that they know medicine because this is all they're taught. But all they're taught is to memorize and repeat. They're not taught to critically critically think and ask questions. And the best thing that people do can do to empower themselves is take your health into your own hands. I even wrote like a medicinal herb guide for beginners, for people to just start learning about basic plant medicine around you. Here's the picture, walk around your your area. It's like $7, walk around, learn about plant medicine and start healing yourself, learn about it. And what's incredible kid is mother nature made no mistake. When you go outside in the spring or the summertime or whatever season it is, minus winter, whatever plant is typically growing in abundance around you is the plant that people are struggling that need them the most. So for example, this summer, when I was walking around, there was mullein plants growing abundantly. Mullein is like the number one herb for lungs. Mm. And then there was milk thistle everywhere. And milk thistle was the number one herb that I love to use for detoxing. And it grows around. It's like, as if it's telling you, use me, your body Mm. needs me. 
And it grows specifically around the regions where they're most required to use. Like mother nature made no mistake. And so I created this herb guide because I was like, I need, I want people to learn this. I could sit here and do these videos and teach people, but just take it into your own hands, walk around, look at the pictures, get an idea of what it does for you. And you start learning all the plant medicine. As soon as you walk outside, something like dandelion, people look at it like as a weed. It's one of the most powerful herbs and so important for humans, it's insane. Dandelions, when they're growing abundantly on the soil, they're actually required to neutralize the minerals in the soil and people just destroy them so they can have nice grass. Not realizing that that soil that actually feeds you and your air and those microbes that are in there, you need them, are being destroyed because the system doesn't want you to do that. Meanwhile, they're so high in vitamin D, so high in vitamin A and vitamin K. You can eat them like candy as long as it's not by the road or has, you know, dog urine on it. My child runs around and grabs them and eats them. Wow. That's really fascinating to think that certain plants would grow in abundance it's incredible. when it it's knows really... that you need it. Like, like it's, yeah. it reminds me of how we're just taught that we're not connected to like how- and The more connected you get, the more it becomes more obvious. Mm. it speaks to you that loudly. It's like, sometimes I'll walk around and I'm like, hmm, this is an interesting plant. I'm not sure what it is, but I see a lot of it. So it must be something. So for example, then it was like stinging nettles, which is same thing. It's one of the highest herbs and vitamins and minerals beyond any synthetic supplement that you can take. You should be taking these, but it's, that's how much mother nature is telling you, Hey, I'll be your medicine. I will be your cure. Just come to me. But instead we've got a system that will take most of these active ingredients. So another example, like the valerian one is one called uh, white willow bark. Same thing. One of the active ingredients in acetaminophen. Hmm. Tylenol. Mm. So you mm. mean to oh, tell Tylenol. me that you have okay. a headache? Yeah. You mean to tell me if you have a headache, you could take this and it's got the active ingredients. Yeah. So a lot of the drugs that we take are based on things that are in nature. Absolutely. Yeah. Eventually they probably, I think they start taking out the more like the natural part of it um, and then they, synthesize it. Okay. Go in the um, laboratory, it, remake it yeah, so they can exactly. patent it and sell it. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Oh my God. But they wow. found it based on knowing the healing properties of them for sure. When you are learning all this stuff, did you become more of a spiritual person because of it? Of course. Yeah. It almost comes naturally because it makes you recognize how perfectly the world is actually built. It makes you recognize that there has to be a higher power. We're like so connected beyond the physical world to what's around us. Plants talk to you. They literally do. And you start to recognize, you start to feel how alive they really are, right? You, I mean, a lot of us have heard like, hey, don't, don't treat a plant bad because they actually have feelings. Well, it's true. They actually talk to you and communicate to you in, in crazy ways. And so it naturally made me more and more um, spiritual in recognizing that it's like my soul was yearning for it more yearning to be that much more connected with the world and the living, you know, species in and outside of it. Cause I was mm -hmm. like, if this is how we're connected, what else can we be connected to? If we tap into that, if we really take the time to learn it, we're in a society that's so built on being around stuck in the five senses that they don't think that there's anything beyond five senses. If I can't see it, if I can't taste it, if I can't feel it, if I can't hear it, it doesn't exist. And that's also what science has turned into now. If we haven't proved it, it doesn't exist. Well, there's a lot of things that science hasn't proved or only proved recently, but it's existed. You're into it. I am. I it. love it. It's once, once you get into it, you can't get out. Right. And it's, yeah. it's amazing. And I love talking about it and learning about it because yeah, there's, there's not so many herbalists, you know? So when I came, became tan of the herbalist, they were like, what is that? What do you mean? I'm like, I, cause they're like, are you a nutritionist? And I was like, no, nutritionists, they focus on food. 
I focus on plant medicine, though it is kind of food, right? Um, it's it's just solely focused on herbs. And plants. So back in the day, you would have been like a witch doctor or something. Pretty much. That's what yeah. they would have considered it. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like we have a place locally here called Finlandia and I love walking through it and they've got all these different teas and different, you know, and I don't know anything about this stuff except for the stuff that my wife brings home. What's a, what's a really fun, fascinating herb or tea? I don't know, potion. A fun, fascinating herb I would say is Damiana. Okay. Damiana is one of the herbs that can actually be smoked. It's got a lot of benefits. So a lot of people who are trying to quit smoking and stuff like that have turned to Damiana mixed with passion flower and mullen, which actually cleanses the lungs while you're smoking it, ironically. Really? Um, but so you just roll yeah. it up like a roll like it up a joint, smoke it. but don't smoke the whole thing and you okay. smoke it for sure. Passion flower, before I continue with Damiana, passion flower was actually an herb. Um, I actually want to create a business called Herbal Smoke Shop specifically for people who are looking to quit smoking. But when I really dug down the rabbit hole, they were shutting it down like crazy. Passion flower has the ability to stop people from quitting smoking. And they have shut it down and demonized it so fast, which also ties into the corruption on why wouldn't they want people to stop smoking cigarettes? I don't know, maybe another billion or trillion dollar industry. But passion flower, to someone who smokes cigarettes and wants to stop, I suggest smoking passion flower. Wow. But passion flower on its own or passion flower mixed with? I, I suggest mixing anything with mullen because mullen, like I said, is a smokable herb and it helps cleanse the lungs. So it releases, like people that smoke or drink mullen, it releases like the phlegm that comes out is sometimes disturbing depending on how much your lungs need to cleanse. So mm -hmm. how much would you smoke? Like you wouldn't smoke the whole thing. You would smoke just a few puffs? No, or? it could make, I mean, I... I don't, I wouldn't recommend the whole, maybe, maybe a quarter of it at a time, get your body used to it. See how it is. Just get that fix of smoking, try yeah. to maybe replace every other cigarette, every third cigarette, you know, and then eventually you'll just start reducing those cravings. That's crazy. I've never heard it's of that incredible. before. It really is. And so I was saying Damiana is because that's another one that you can smoke, but Damiana it's, it's a versatile herb in a sense that um, first it's an aphrodisiac. So you can't go wrong with that. And it's also incredible for the nervous system. It helps with sleep. It helps with anxiety. It helps with just overall mood. It's a, it's a feel good herb. It's a feel good herb. Doesn't make you feel high or anything like that, but it makes you feel good. And what's this called again? Damiana. D-A-M-I-A-N-A. Damiana. Okay. Yeah. People are so anxious right now. They're just, as you know, especially now, Right. people are just yeah. tripping. Wow. So if you can have something that supports the nervous system while also as a form of an aphrodisiac and makes you feel good, why not? Where do you keep your herbs? Like I imagine you have them all in like little jars in a closet somewhere and they're on display and they look exactly, they look super cool. This is just in my oh, wow. office. So there's a lot more downstairs. Wow. So um, are you constantly giving your kids like a pinch of this, a pinch of that? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Like I, depending on what, what he needs it for. Um, but I, for kids, I love doing herbal baths. So I'll actually put a bunch of herbs in like a, like a nylon cloth or a cheesecloth. And I'll tie it to the, my, the tap of the bath and I'll let really hot water soak over it. So it almost seeps all into the water. And then I put cold water for the rest and I bathe him in that. What is it you put in the bath? Um, I'll put chamomile, calendula, which is great for the skin. Um, lemon balm. I mean, whatever, whatever he, I feel like he would need for his body. If he's got a little cough, I'll throw in something like, um, Sometimes comfrey, I'll throw in uh, elecampane or even Damiana as like to, to relax him or something like that. Like whatever it is, you could really throw anything you want in there. Rose petals, I love. Lavender is a great one for relaxation. Um, and I like that because your skin is the biggest organ, right? And when you're in the bath, those pores are opened up. So what better way to seep through all of the benefits than through the skin? Wow. 
so that's what I do for him. But I also obviously make my own cough syrups and, and salves and everything like that. So Okay, what's this book that you released? It's called The Medicinal Herb Guide for Beginners. It's it's okay. in my my tanitherbalist.com or any of my social media websites. It's in the link there. It's just a $7 book that teaches you plants for sleep, plants for anxiety, um, best plants for women's health, for men's health. Um, it just, it really breaks down detoxing herbs, um, immunity boosting herbs. So it gives you a list of what they are, what it does for you uh, in an easy to understand way. And then it also includes pictures for you to get an idea of what it actually looks like come spring, summertime for you to start exploring. Does a herbalist have a license or is that kind of your, you're like in no. the wild, wild west doing your own thing? Exactly. So that's oh, funny because I've had so many natural, because I work with a lot of naturopath doctors that will like, you know, diagnose and work through different things. And then they'll send them to me to buy the herbs because they do believe in the plant medicine. Um, and so many of them have said, I wish I got into herbalism had I known it was a thing because it's not so heavily regulated. It's not, yeah. it's, it's how are you going to regulate someone who's learning off of earth and treating that, you know? So no, there's no license involved the same way. You don't even really have to go to school for it. I just did because I want to, uh, like I'm saying, and learning and I'm still constantly taking courses. Like I took a complete course on cancer. Um, so there's so many things that you just want to keep learning. Um, but no, so they can keep trying whatever they want. I'm not budging on doing anything. Yeah. Even nutritionists are more regulated than I would be. It's been really great chatting with you. Thanks, Kim. Yeah. You too. I appreciate Always. it. You are, you are I'm telling you, you are one of the badasses on the front lines for a long time been following you on instagram and it's great to to finally get to learn more about you well, i'm sure we'll be chatting soon and yeah for anyone looking for me tan of the herbalist.com tan of the herbalist on really any social media platform i try to share a lot of my how i feel about pharma how i feel about plant medicine sharing some tips but the most important thing that any of us can do right now is just take your health and your power into your own hands don't put it in someone else's to take care of you and to lead you the way